That's awesome. Somebody said praise the Lord. And it's certainly good to see you here today. I'm glad you didn't know I was preaching or you might have quit fishing. But we're glad you're here today and I hope you're not disappointed. Um, it's always good to hear the preached word of God. And I'm so happy, so happy to be here today. I, uh, you might have seen me put a uh, pop drop in my mouth. I've been fighting, I don't know what, for a long time, but I think I'm getting victory over it. And in case you saw me put a cough drop in my mouth, it reminded me of the preacher that went to the pulpit and he always put a lifesaver in his mouth. When the lifesaver was gone, he knew it was time to quit. Well, he preached about two hours. The lifesaver hadn't disappeared and he decided to check it out and it was a button. So I, I have a cough drop in my mouth today. Uh, and it's about gone already, so I better get busy. So good to be in the house of the Lord today, feel the presence of God, and to know that he is well and he is alive. Some say God is dead. I didn't even know he was sick. He's still alive because we feel him and we worship him. Why don't you just lift your hands together and worship him again? He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. Hallelujah. I am grateful for the opportunity to preach at home. I often think of many former pastors that don't have the privilege that I have, and I'm so thankful for it, and I honor Brother Bradford and Sister Bradford today. They mean much to me. In case you didn't know, they're related to me. I still claim them. I'm not sure they claim me, but I claim them. Just kidding. Just kidding. I know they do. Uh, I, I heard those sighs. Of, I thought it was relief at first, but uh, anyway, so happy to be here today. I've had the privilege of traveling lately, and uh, somewhere that'll come to an end, as all good things must come to an end, but today I still have a little bit of youth left in me, and I thank God for that. I thank God for the love that each one of you have shown to me. I thank God for people like Brother Casey. We love him very, very much. He was a great soul. Love God, love this church, and love you as a people. And I can concur with that because I love each one of you today. You mean much to me and to be a part of this church for almost 74 years now. Uh, it's just an honor to still be here and be a part of it. And I thank God for his many, many blessings daily that he loads us to, with. I'm reading today from the book of James chapter 1, beginning at verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, not being a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Turn the page to chapter 2, verse number 12. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. A lot of people today say you shouldn't judge, and we do not judge individuals but we do judge lifestyle by the Word of God. This scripture is very plain. 
that you need to observe some things about yourself and not be as one that would look into the mirror and go away and forget what manner of person they are. I was reminded of the lady that went and got out of the bathroom after looking at her face and she said everything was so bad. She felt like she was so ugly and everything she looked at wasn't the best. She asked her husband to give him a, pom a, a word of, of encouragement. And he said, yeah, you have perfect eyesight. That's not funny. But you do need to look in the mirror once in a while, which is the word of God, and judge yourself by it and make the decisions you need to make for life and eternity. So I want to preach to you today for a little while on this subject, observation with a clear view. Observation with a clear view. Would you ask the Lord to help us today? Savior, we ask you to help us today with the word of God, bringing truth, encouragement, and direction in the will of God. You know what is needed in every heart, every life, every soul. You know how to bring it about for the glory of God. And we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. This passage of scripture is not preached on a lot because in our denominal world and our charismatic world, there is different uh, theatrics and there is different uh, stories and there's different storylines and there are different approaches uh, because mostly people don't like to look at themselves and try to judge themselves by the word of God. But today, I want to help you in being a Christian because you need to have a good observation tower and have a clear view. Since I have flown a lot lately, I am thankful for those that work in the observation tower at airports. I'm amazed at how it all works, how it all smoothly works most of the time. I'm not talking about the cancellation of flights for weather and what have you, but been in several large airports and that, uh, that tower directs them towards specific runways and there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of things goes on at an airport, a lot of traffic with vehicles and supply chains and gas tanks and fuel trucks and what have you that has to be watched and governed. So I'm thankful that there's somebody that is watching over things and make sure planes get off the ground, especially the ones that I'm on. So I want to preach to you about being able to observe there is, uh, you know, pilots fly. We've got some pilots in here, uh, maybe not today, but uh, we have some pilots that understand what I'm going to talk about briefly in introduction. They fly by VFR, which is visual flight rules, and IFR, which is instrument flight rules. They also use vortex, and I have ridden with several pilots in small planes, and they pointed out the vortex units, which are on the ground, and they put out an electrical uh, sound and they know that they stay in that particular range they are headed towards the airport and that is called a VOR rule or vortex rule but the VFR is the visual flight rules in other words a pilot is able to look out in front of the plane and observe all around him and they train them to watch for other planes that are in the vicinity and of course there are radar that helps and all those things but there's something about the visual part of a pilot that is very, very important. And you've read, possibly, about pilots that have viewed other planes in their vicinity. They've had to make some adjustments along the way. Then there is the IFR, which is the instrument flight rules, which when you cannot see ahead of you, they fly by instruments. And that's the one that's scary for me, because that means the pilot can't see, but you trust in 
the, uh, the instruments, and that gives them a reason. And so when you see the instrument panel, you may not see anything else around you. And many, many planes getting into clouds. I, I flew, not too, flew not too long ago, and we were going between two storms. So both windows, we watched thunder and lightning in the distance, and we were flying in the middle because he wanted to do the visual part rather than the instrument part, which I was thankful for. Because when you're flying with, uh, with instruments only, uh, lightning can strike or whatever, but uh, you hope for the best. And so I like the visual part. Don't you like the visual part? I'm not so sure that I'm going to like these self-driving cars. I mean, it's bad enough with people driving them without instruments. But here we are. Most of us are here today because God kept his hand upon us. I, I remember when we were teaching my girls to drive, my middle daughter, we was in Texas, and we was driving down the freeway, and she was driving, 16 years of age, and going 65 miles an hour on the freeway, and I was pretty relaxed until she went off the side of the road briefly and overcorrected, and I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and, uh, and suddenly I see the car turn, but it doesn't completely turn around. It stays sideways going down the freeway. Jeremy was with us, but I don't know if she remembers exactly if she's heard me talk about it, of course. And uh, I'm sitting in the passenger side of the car, and I'm seeing that white line go, you know, splitting every once in a while. And I don't know whether I was coming in or out of life or not, but it, the line was splitting. And so I was praying, and, and uh, when the car stopped, my daughter was talking in tongues, and I had stammering lips myself. Because... You can't just trust everything. You have to have some hands-on things once in a while that keep you. So flying is interesting. Well, what I want to preach to you about is being able to observe but have a view on what you are observing. The Bible talked about looking into the perfect law of liberty. The perfect law of liberty, in essence, is being able to have the liberty of the Holy Ghost, the liberty of a child of God, but there are guidelines, there are set rules that you go by in God's plan. You cannot, the Bible said a drunkard, a whoremonger, and all cannot be there in heaven. The Bible says that. I didn't say it, so don't accuse me of judging the situation. The Bible says it, but we do need to look at those things and observe for ourselves as we look in the mirror and see what are we, who are we, what do we want out of life. Ultimately, and I hope I get there after a while, we want to be saved. I don't want to just go to church and enjoy a great church. We have great church. We have great worship, great music, great musicians, great preaching around here. Our, even our young men preach better than me. We have a great church here, and, uh, but that's not all that I want. We have a little bit of heaven down here, but it's called the earnest of our inheritance or the down payment of it. Ultimately, I want to be saved. So to be saved, you have to be observant. You have to see what's going on around you. So I've seen, uh, I've seen pilots pull out manual, and I, I flew with an old gentleman years ago. He took my dad with him, and, and he, he was in his late 60s, learned to fly. Berlin Stevens was his name. Some of you will remember him. And uh, so I went with him, and uh, we flew, and he let me sit in the second seat. And one thing that he told me to do, he said, now, while we're flying in this low level, you're able to observe uh, airports down, and then the reason you want to watch for airports in case those engines stop, we have a place to land. That's not always fun to hear a pilot talk about that. But it was interesting that we could spot the airports because we was flying in a small plane at a low level. But I watched them pull out their manuals before they get started. A friend of mine is a pilot, and he rents out planes, and 
one day he was in a hurry to get to where he was going, and so he rushed and jumped in the plane, and he was training somebody sitting in the second seat. And so he, this, the person that was flying was supposed to do all the groundwork, checking and observing what was going on, and uh, evidently he didn't do all the observations that he needed to have, and uh, so he jumped in the second seat, and they took off and flew, and suddenly when they were wanting to land, they realized the landing gear wasn't working right, and so I got a call from his mother who said, pray. Uh, Brad is uh, in the air, and they're trying to empty out the gas tank before they land because the front landing gear uh, is stuck. Come to find out that the pilot that was training to be a pilot, although he was responsible for the trainer, uh, he didn't look himself, but the pilot was supposed to check all those things, and that little, that little thing that the front wheel goes in, parks, and you tie it down, strap it down so the wind doesn't blow it away, had stuck, and they took off with that, and so they couldn't get it down because when it went up, it stuck, and the front landing gear wouldn't come down. So fire department, everybody was there, and, and uh, they called everybody they could call to pray. Well, that's a great time to pray. Let me just say this. It's great to pray when you're in trouble, but it's time to pray when you're not in trouble. When you're not in trouble. It's great to be a crisis Christian. That's fine if you want to be that way. But uh, the best thing is to observe your surroundings and see where you are and check things out in life so that you're safe. I want to be safe. And the house of God is a safe place. It's a safe place for your taking off in life. It's a safe place for your landing in life. It's a safe place while you're flying through life. It's just a safe, safe place. Living for God requires visual, biblical, and spiritual rules or observations to live for God. I know we're living in a day where the word rule is not a likable word. Most people don't, they don't like rules. Uh, that's why you have policemen and you have stop signs, you have red lights, you have caution lights, and you have signals and all those things. But uh, most of us, uh, I, I, I have to admit, I hate red lights, especially the ones that come in your rearview mirror. But if you observe the laws, you'll stop when you're supposed to stop and go when you're supposed to go. You'll have caution when you're supposed to have caution. So there's many, many things that you need to look at. But so every living for God, you have to have a visual and a biblical and a spiritual view of life. It's good to look around and see what other people are doing, but it's good to look in the mirror and see what you're doing biblically by looking with a view of Scripture. Exodus, and I'm going to read just a few of these Scriptures. Uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 12. It's an Old Testament Scripture. We do not live by the law, but listen to what it said. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, or boundaries, take heed to yourself. Sixty-five times in the Bible, the Bible in the Old and New Testament, over 50 in the New Testament, 40-something I believe it is, in the New Testament, that says, take heed that you go not up to the mount. This is the Old Testament. Take heed that you go not up to the mount or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. So there was a an admonition that you observe. You could only get so close to that mountain because on the top of the mountain, God was talking to Moses. And he was pretty up on things. He had the first tablet. He received the influx from the cloud. You guys are about as internet savvy as I am. The only thing I know about the internet is, or the computer is, when you're gigabytes, you're megahertz. Exodus 
Anyway, Moses was one of the first to have a tablet and got his information from the cloud. Oh, now you're understanding. I realize what happened just now. I always heard that if you, if you don't like a smartphone, get an Android. So I guess some of you are Android worshipers. Oh, sorry, Brother Jeremy. That is a great phone that you have, I'm telling you. It is a great phone. It opens up and you can see the whole thing. You can observe with a perfect view. That fits my message. Hallelujah. Anyway, so Moses said, Moses was receiving instruction from the Lord, and there was, there was an intensity there. And the Bible said, take heed that you don't touch the mountain, don't come near, don't let your animals come near. Uh, there's always been instructions to take heed. Warning signs, caution signs, speed limit sign, no turn sign, no U-turn signs. Don't you hate those when you miss your turn and you can't make a U-turn? Let me just say, in living for God, for us, there is no U-turns. I'm not turning back. We sing it. Not turning back. I've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. We, we sing some of those beautiful songs that help us understand we're living for God. There's no U-turn in this. One scripture said there's no discharge in this war. You're either going to have a good report when it's all over, or you're going to have a bad report. There's no in-between, and there is no appeal. You might as well get a good point of observation in God and let that view correct you where you need to be corrected and live for God with all of your heart. We're at the end of the world, church. I know we've said that a long time. They even said it in the Bible time. Since the fathers fell asleep, we've heard the same old story. We've heard it, we've heard it, and sometimes we get tired of hearing it, and sometimes we as preachers get tired of preaching it maybe. But I want to preach to you today. I'm not tired about hearing the coming of the Lord. I want to have a view of Jesus Christ coming back to this sin-cursed, evil world that we live in that's full of hatred, evil, sin, confusion, not the church. Woe be unto us if we bring confusion to the church. This ought to be a safe place where we can see visually and we can see spiritually and we can see physically what's ahead of us. A clear, clear view. Exodus went on to say in 34th chapter, the 11th verse said, Observe that thou, that which I commanded thee this day, behold, I drive out before thee the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Parasite, the Hevite, the Jebusite, and the Termites, and all that goes with it. This is Old Testament, but the Old Testament was a schoolmaster to help us understand there's some things in your life you have to drive out. There's some thoughts you have to drive out, some actions you have to drive out. I'm not perfect, and I thank God that his blood covers so much. Aren't you glad his blood covers so much? He went on to say, take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whether thou goest lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. So somewhere you have to make a covenant with yourself. I'm not going to make a covenant with the world. I'm not going to go to the world for my, my inclinations, my study thoughts. I'm not going to go to the world for the way I should live or dress or act. And I'm glad that the Bible didn't get us stuck in wearing robes, especially in the valley where it's so hot. Uh, you know, some people in our world, in the religious world, I say that, very lightly, but they're more holy than we ever thought about being. There's some women that only have little slits across their eyes to look out of. They're totally covered. That doesn't mean you're holy. Jesus spoke to those kind of people, said you're full of dead men's bones. So you need to observe and see what is holy and what is right 
And modest apparel is what is right biblically. So you observe and you have a clear view that there's some things that I want to live by that I'm ready for the coming of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Lest you make a covenant or lest you make an agreement that I'm going to live just the way the world lives. You know, women used to be a different style. Men used to have a different style. I went to the haircut get a haircut the other day. I'm having trouble finding a barber that cuts an old-fashioned hairdo. I was raised up when white sidewalls wasn't popular. That's heaven so close. And there's nothing wrong with this. Don't get me wrong. That's just not my style. But trying to find somebody to cut my I like my hair. I got up from the dinner table the other night, and there was about 12 men around. I got a little scared when they said, I like your hair. You might as well have fun in life. The world is so sad, they have to hire comedians. You don't even have to hire them in the house of God because life is fun. I enjoy living for God. If you enjoy living for God, why don't you shout amen? amen. But you shall destroy their altars, he said. Break down their images and cut down their groves, their trees. There's always been a separation with God's people. Always have been a separation with God's people. Joshua wrote these words, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. 1 and verse 8, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all, or do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous. Then shalt thou have good success. You know, success is not money. Success is not having the finest cars, the houses, the finest houses. That's not, you know what success is? Being saved. The writer told one man, he said, perish you with your money. Too many people are living for money today. I guess they don't want me to have a drink. There we go. Man, newfangled thing for old people. They're messing with old people. Here we are in a day in our world where there's a special narrative goes on because of the media. And you go against that narrative, they put you out. So why do you get upset at a church? We have a narrative also. The trouble is, we're not going to put you out. We're going to put you in. <laughs> this church is inclusive. I don't care what country you came from. I don't care what color skin you are. We love them all. We're all shades of tan. We're all made from the dust of the earth. Our world wants to segregate us, put us in boxes, and try to say, well, there's this many people voting this way, and that many people. Hey, don't, don't get caught in that trap. I'm a Christian, and there's no box, to, no box to check, so I just put other. He said, have not I commanded thee? Then there was the hearing of the word. I commanded you, be strong and be of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Deuteronomy said, only take heed to thyself. Deuteronomy chapter 11 said, take heed to yourselves again. Joshua said, take heed therefore unto yourselves. Malachi said, take heed to your spirit. All throughout the Old Testament. But let's get into the New Testament because I want to preach for you in a little while. Second Peter chapter 1. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. If we are living in today's world, we're living in a dark place. Our world is darkness everywhere. Isaiah prophesied about it and said, the earth would be full of darkness and gross darkness the people. We're living in a gross, dark world today. 
They're trying to take your children and change them into what God, from what God had made them into something else without telling you as parents, thank God for a Christian school. Just got to put some good things in once in a while. How are we going to live in this world if the Lord doesn't come? I'm preaching to you today. You better learn how to observe with a clear view, understanding where we live today and what's going on around us only enough to put your heart in tune with God. You don't have to follow the news very long and you can put it aside and start reading the Bible and understand that we're living in perilous times. Dark days are upon us. Dark places uh, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. I'm glad the Bible gives light to this dark world. And then he said, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. There's some ways that you can see in darkness. And no, no matter how dark the world gets, the Bible gives us an answer for everything in life. Everything in life. If you'll read the Bible, especially the New Testament, there's types and shadows in the old. But in the new is the real. What we should follow. How we should live. How we should go about. Because God is coming after a people that is called by his name. Well, hallelujah. Let them mock us if they want. We're not Jesus only people. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Some people call us Jesus only. We're not Jesus only. We believe Jesus is the Father, Jesus is the Son, and Jesus is the Holy Ghost. He was Father in creation. He was Son in redemption. And He's the Holy Ghost in regeneration. Somebody ought to shout, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Spirit of Almighty God. Oh, hello. Oh, oh, hello. You're not hearing me completely. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Uh, that's that inner light, that inner star that's breaking out every morning, every night in the darkness of our world. It's through the Word of God that I live. It's by the preached Word of God that I live. Oh, somebody ought to shout hallelujah. They used to travel by the stars across the oceans. They got here. Some of them didn't. Every once in a while they find sunken ships that was part of that era when they followed the stars only. And that's true. You can follow spirit only, but the Bible said they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You need IVR and you need VFR. You need to have visual, but you need to have an instrument. You need to have something bigger than just your imagination. Too many people go to church by what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. Preaching is not always what you want to hear. I'm the product of a preacher that didn't just tell us what we wanted to hear. I had to sit on the front pew once in a while. Dear friend of mine told on me. It's all right, I'm here. And so are they. Don't you try to figure out who it is or what they told of me. I thank God the preacher preached to me, though. I'm so glad he picked me up and said, hey, you ought to live right and do what's right. Luke 21 says, take heed to yourself. Listen, anytime your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, cares of life, so that that day come upon you unawares. See, there's some things you have to observe with a clear view. I've never seen the world like it is today. I haven't seen it in all of its stages, uh, but I've never seen it quite as it is today, where they're teaching you how to be something you're not. I want you to think what you are. It's really crazy when you think 
you are seven people because you're giving heed to seven personalities and they want to think you're all right because of that. I'm not so sure that just dealing with your spirit alone is enough and God gave us the word of God so that we have the Holy Ghost and the word of God. Don't condemn the Holy Ghost and say, well, it doesn't work. I'm here to tell you it does work. But you have to also have the IVR with your DFR. You got to be careful, you know. I don't want to get my tang all tangled up. Here we are in a day where you have to have an observation place and watch where you're going. Order your steps by the Lord. But you have a book to go by too. In the New Testament, it talked about, and I'm going to refer to some of this, it talked about going to church and everyone having a hymn and everyone having a song, everyone having a little message, and the whole service is disrupted by the strongest voice. That's not the way it should be. There's a pulpit, and the, pulpit, the word pulpit is in the Bible one time, so we're not against pulpits, but uh, we have a man that preaches the word of God to us, but we have a book that guides us, and we have the Holy Ghost that confirms it. And here we are. You're in the house of God today because somebody preached to you. You read it in the Bible, and you're living for God because the Holy Ghost came. Thank God for a total view of how to live for God. Get your eyes off of the world and the things of the world and get it focused on the coming of the Lord and the Bible and live for God. For as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming to pass. I'm telling you, it's bad in the world. I'm glad that we have somebody as the pilot and a co-pilot and we have people on the ground watching. We have God that's got it all under control. We have a preacher that's on the ground, and there's communication, and this, this old ship of Zion is going to land on the other shore, and we're going to be safe. I said we're going to be safe. I don't have all the answers, but Jesus Christ does. I'm so glad that we don't have to trust in men because we have God, we have his word, and we worship him with spirit and truth. Somebody ought to shout with victory on that one. Colossians chapter 1 verse 21, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled, oh I like that, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Let God pilot your plane, your life, and stay in the second seat and watch for a good landing. Hallelujah. We're going to land on the shores of glory one of these days and you better be ready when it happens unreprovable and unblameable in his sight. I'm going to give you a little chance to respond here and uh, I'm going to give every one of you a chance to testify that stands so be prepared for a long day. All of you that are blameless and unreprovable stand and we'll start on this side and since you haven't stood you're reluctant I see. You know why? Because we are not blameless and we are not unreprovable. But he has made us that in the spirit. Start looking at a way to get yourself underneath that star that shines bright enough that God's going to look at you in the rapture and say, you're blameless. Unreprovable in his sight. We have enough people watching around here. You have enough people in every church that's looking for those that are fallen and stumbling and wanting to repeat it and make fun of it or whatever. And then when they come to the altar, you won't even go to the altar and pray with them. Honey, my God knows how to save to the guttermost as well as the uttermost. 
He knows how to save the worst of sinners, of which Paul said, I was one of them, and I concur with that. But thank God he's going to make me blameless and unreprovable in his sight. I want to live for him with that in mind, mind today. Oh, hallelujah. i got to hurry. Take heed to yourself. Paul said in the book of Timothy chapter 4, those warning signals, when you get off track, take heed to yourself and unto the doctrine. People are forsaking the doctrine today, and I can't go there, but they're, they're so caught up in today, easy believism, and don't offend anybody. Jesus offended people. They marveled at his doctrine, as was stated. They marveled at his teaching, and he offended everybody to where when he went to the cross, there was a mother and a few other little ladies that stood in the background somewhere. Everyone else deserted him. So why would you feel bad if somebody leaves the church when the preached word of God tries to convict them? Somebody ought to say, preach it, preacher. That's how we're going to be saved, by the preaching of the word of God. And into the doctrine. My, there's so much to do there, and I could go a long ways. Revelation, listen to this scripture, chapter 2, verse 24. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira... As many as have not this doctrine, that means not everybody's going to be saved. And we need to stop once in a while. In fact, I was driving the other day down the road, and I literally got to crying. How in the world are we going to reach our world with this doctrine? We're doing it. Brother Hodges called Reaching Our Cities. And I just preached at a church where Brother Raymond sent one of his internet Bible study people and we had a picture of them being baptized in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, the internet's bad. Everything, everything that's been good, the devil has destroyed. Television was good when, uh, when our church said, you know, we better be careful with that and not have them in our homes. And we proved out right. And now we have the internet and it's, it's being destroyed by the devil also. But the beauty about the internet is if Brother Raymond is teaching a Bible study on the internet and he's through, it's over with. But if you're stuck on some other program where a false teacher is teaching and you're trying to preach truth and you get off the air and a false teacher comes, eats out of everything you preached. Not on the internet. Preach it, Brother Raymond. I say we need to observe with a view of what we're really doing. Observation today. What are you looking for? What do you want out of a church? You want a church to tell you you're all right in everything that you're doing? Or do you want the word of God to be an answer to your questions of life and look into the mirror and say, that's what I needed today. I needed to hear that today. Listen to what all he said. As many as have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of Satan. Oh, I could preach for a while on that. I don't even know the depths of Satan. Thank God I don't know what it is to get high, except in the Holy Ghost. And know he who has gotten high, the Bible said he was high and lifted up. Let me tell you, you can come to the house of God and you can get high and he can be lifted up. But you didn't have to take a pill. You didn't have to take a shot. You didn't have to drink an alcohol. Oh, hallelujah. You was able to get high in the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like an apostolic church. Come on, church. What do you say we have an apostolic church, a true church that believes in worship of spirit and truth, a view, a view, a visual view, an instrument view, knowing both word and spirit. Somebody ought to shout amen. amen. The depths of Satan. The depths of Satan. Tragedy hits. 
We've had a tragedy recently. The depths of Satan. When you give your mind over to Satan and you're not using it, when everything else is blinded and you can't see past today, everything is so bad and you're trying to operate without the Spirit of God in a cloudy, perverse world. God help us to understand that church is more than a happy place. It should be a happy place. But we also have godly sorrow that worketh repentance. Has anybody ever repented in this house? Somebody ought to stand with victory in their life. It's the goodness of the Lord that leads you to repentance. Does anybody think the goodness of the Lord is worthy of repentance? He's been so good to me. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. God bless you, Sister Rena. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be here. But he made me blameless and unreprovable in his sight. Because what am I doing today? I'm letting that day star rise in my heart that's full of corruptness, evil thoughts, and wickedness, and all that goes on in the world. But a day star arose in my dark heart and gave me a light, and it shined. John calls certain doctrines the depths of Satan. It appears that he's referring to dogmas or doctrines of men. I don't have time to go into the scripture that talks about the doctrines of men. Things that are not doctrinally true. Those that would be deceivers of men. We're living in a world that's full of deception. You better be careful who you listen to. If they don't use the Bible as their main source of information, you better not listen to them. You better listen to a good old Bible-thumping preacher that believes the Word of God. Hallelujah. Those that intended to make the gospel fashionable or more acceptable and agreeable with academia and the professors of religion, they're corrupting the Word of God. Why is it that Jesus' name baptism was 300 years in the making before academia came along or professors or religious philosophers come along and tried to corrupt the Word of God? Every history book that you can read, every encyclopedia that they allow you to read today. I have the 11th Britannica, and, uh, and that still has the writings of the history of Jesus' name, baptism, for the first 300 years. We're still there, church. Oh, somebody ought to shout. You ought to be excited. We're still an apostolic church. We're still a New Testament church. We still have a baptistry. We still have a Bible. We st- I said, we're an apostolic church. We believe the apostles' doctrine. We're apostolic in doctrine and Pentecostal in experience. And Jesus' name because we know who he is. Aren't you glad you know who Jesus is? There are practical and established doctrinal truths of the Bible that cannot be shaken by man's philosophy. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. There's so much to preach here. Thank God for, well, I got, I got something better. Matthew. Matthew chapter 15, verse 6. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draw nigh with me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, you have to have observation with a clear view. You don't just worship. 
That's beautiful. Thank God for worship. I thank God for our beautiful musicians, our praise singers, our choirs, and you as saints of God that sing and worship God. But that's just part of it. Don't get caught up with the things of the world and the philosophy of the world and lose your soul above every doctor of medicine, every psychiatry, and every other form of doctor in the world. The Holy Ghost beats them hands down. Even doctors have to concede that was the Holy Ghost. That was from above. That was a man upstairs. They have their little cliches to say. They acknowledge it. We have some miracles in this church man couldn't do. <laughs> our world is getting so confused they don't, they don't even know who they are. One of our chief justices on the Supreme Court can't even define a woman. You want to follow that rule? Huh? No. I had three daughters. I think women are the beautiful gift of God. They're bringing us children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Women are beautiful. We can describe what a woman is because the Bible does. I'm not going to go there, but I just had to throw that in. It didn't cost you a thing. They don't even know who they are. That makes me weep. So driving down the road the other day, and weeping, God. I know I'm supposed to be a preacher. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it without you. You've got to help us. Somebody ought to be giving a card to everybody you meet. I went over like a flock of dogs. You ought to be proud of who you are. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power and the salvation, the power of God. I'm a Christian. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent. Sorry I offended half of you. We, we are Christians. Brother Bradford, we was in Somerset the other day. I got two grandsons in the ministry, praise God, and a son-in-law. Praise God. Preach the truth. And we was ordaining a man, and I didn't know this about Brother Rainey, I might have told you this, but Brother Rainey is the chaplain there, and he has a chaplain's job in the prison. His 40-hour-a-week job is in the prison. He's had 11 people get the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name. They're, in li they're lifers. They can never get out. But we's ordaining him. And you know what his testimony is? I and my mother walked into an abortion clinic, and I was in her womb and my mother sat there and listened, got up and walked out, and I'm here today, and people are being saved because of it. I don't know what that does to you, but the world's philosophy just went out the window. When somebody does it, oh, I don't want to get there. You know what I'm saying. You better just thank God there's a preacher around in your life that preaches the Bible. You better thank God there's a spirit of God around that helps us understand the great prophets. The Lord knew them while they was in the womb. You can read it in the Bible. I'm not going to go there. I got too much else to say. I want to get somewhere real quick. My time is up, but I got to get there. This people draws nigh unto me with their lips. They honor me with their lips. Their heart is far from me. Somewhere we got to realize there's a greater message than the narrative of our world, and we better stick by it. 
They received the Holy Ghost in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, just like they did at the beginning. I want to combine some scriptures real quick. I'm just going to combine them. Listen to this. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, lovers of money, the root of all evil. Money is such a deceiver. Money does not prove success. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, ungrateful, unholy, unloving. There's a bunch of scriptures together here. Without natural affection, unreconcilable, slanders, without self-control, beautiful, truce breakers, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. I wonder if anybody's felt the power of God in this place today. If you're not ashamed of feeling the power of God, could you just respond to him? <laughs> oh, they like to talk about things, but they deny the power thereof. There's enough power. They talk about fentanyl coming across the border, enough to kill all of America. I have seen the blood of Calvary flow in a service that's enough to save the entire world. We have something better than drugs. We have something better than alcohol. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We're the children of the Most High God. I'm looking forward to go seeing him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I have so much material. Real quick, real quick. How much, what time do we usually get out at 15 after? I hope Jesus can say the same thing. He said I was good. I hope Jesus can say that. Abraham, he heard the voice from the cloud without a tablet. And he left, not knowing where he was going. 17 cities looking for a city. Don't try to look for 17 churches to find that city. It's not here. This Bakersfield church is not it. It's a part of it, but this is not it. We have some services like heaven around here once in a while, but this is not it. The Bible speaks about Abraham looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He passed through Bethel twice in 17 cities. He went to Egypt from Bethel, and that's what happens to you in every service. You leave Bethel. You leave the well, you leave the church, and you go to Egypt to work and what have you, but you better come back to Bethel. Because it was at Bethel that the dispute between the herdsmen take place, and Lot said, I'm going to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah was not the answer. So, oh, I, I need to preach another hour. Will you stay with me? Don't. Sodom and Gomorrah is not the answer. The world is not the answer. As in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. We're on the brink of the coming of the Son of Man. Abraham walked, traveled from city to city. He died not seeing what he was looking for. Brother Casey died the other night without seeing heaven on earth. But he got a glimpse, I'm sure, that you and I don't have today. Oh, preach with me just a moment. I, I'm about to quit. I'm just about to quit. You better observe your surroundings. You better observe all that you're looking for. He died in the faith looking for a city. But one morning, one morning, you know, Sarah followed him. I don't know what she complained about. No house, no cooking utensils, has to travel, wash 
dishes with the sand of the sea and the desert sand. And you, know, I, you, you figure out what Sarah was doing, you ladies. She followed him. He buried her. They buried him. And he looked in 17 cities to find what he was looking for. Stand with me. Musicians come, but don't cut me off. One day, Abraham's going to wake in the likeness of God eternal. I don't know exactly what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. But no doubt somewhere he's going to see Sarah. Sarah! There it is. There it is. It's not very far, church. And we're going to be saying, there it is. For with a shout and the voice of the archangel, he's going to descend and we that are saved are going to look together and rise together to meet him in the air. I know it's time to quit. I know you're tired of me preaching already and you're wanting to give up and get out of here and go eat. I understand that. My, my, my stomach, every time I swallow, said thanks for nothing also. I understand. But give me just a minute. I wonder if you're really looking for the coming of the Lord. Or are you just satisfied with the status quo? You're just satisfied with life where it is. You got a good paycheck, a good job, good retirement, a good home, good wife, good husband, good children, all that. That's all well and good. I'm looking for Jesus. I've got my clear view right now. I got my clear view right now. Come on, church. Would you get your eyes up off of Sodom? Would you get your eyes off of Haran? Would you get your eyes off of Mesopotamia? Would you get your eyes off of Egypt? And just for a minute, as we close out this service, would you look towards the heavens from which cometh our help? Would you look towards the hills from which cometh our help? Would you somewhere say, I need a better view of life? I know I spent a lot of time in other places, but this is where I wanted to go. Get a vision of heaven. Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. There's somebody in this building right now. Clouds are dark, stormy weather. You're trying to fly as they say, by the seat of your pants, trying to make decisions. You know where the decision is made? Right here at an altar where you make the decisions of life because you've looked at yourself. Is there one person in this building that feels like you need a little bit more view of heaven? One person is all I'm looking for, just one person. The rest of you can stay there if you want, but I'm looking for just one person that's willing to say, I'm looking for heaven. I want a better view of heaven. I want to keep my spiritual eyes. I want to keep my visual eyes. I want to keep my physical eyes. I want to keep it on all those instruments that need to be. But I want to keep a view of heaven. It's going to be worth it all, church. It's going to be worth it all. I can't tell you how it's going to be worth it all. I haven't been there, but I'm telling you, you can play around in this world all you want. 
but heaven's going to be worth it all. Sing it. Sing it, yes. That's right, church. a pearl, twelve foundations, a river of life, trees of life where you can eat, for the healing of the nation, and one that sat on one throne, John saw, I want to see Jesus, I want to see Jesus, he's the answer to all of my problems, he's the comforter of all of my sorrows. God of all my peace. There's nothing greater than an apostolic church that believes Jesus Christ is more than a statue of a wall somewhere. He's an ever-loving God that loves you where you are and wants to present you blameless and unreprovable. together right now. 